Welcome to the WAVE podcast, Women Living with HIV, Advocates, Voices, Empowered. The WAVE is a series of podcasts by and for women living with HIV around the world, talking about our sexual and reproductive health and rights. Welcome to the WAVE podcast. I'm Fiona Hale and I'm really pleased today to be speaking to Rahayu Ramat from Malaysia. Rahayu, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, okay, my name is Rahayu. I'm from Malaysia. Um, let me just say a bit of myself. Uh, I'm a former sex worker. I'm a drug user. I'm a HIV positive. And now I was homeless for several years with my four children in Central Town. This is something that I never hide because I'm not ashamed of my past. In order to empower others, I must first empower myself. Okay, next question. <laughs> okay, Rahayu, thanks so much for that. Could you just tell us a bit about the work you're doing and the organisation you set up? I will not call it a work or a job because when you say work, that means you are getting paid. I'm not getting paid at all. This is something, uh, it, this is my passion. Uh, Sina Sophia was set up in 2011. Our target group is those HIV positive, sex worker and the drug user. Some of the question being asked to me, why, why, why all these three? And my answer is that because I was them. That was my past. And those I'm helping are my friends. The woman that I get to know when I was homeless. And I may, I maybe I'm still on the street right now, if not because of my current husband. And in 2007, actually, we set up our own small shelter. It's very small, nothing fancy, using our own money to, to place this woman. I just want them to have a safe place. I'm not being uh, supported by anyone. So sometimes I will do crowdfunding to maintain and sustain it. And of course, uh, I, I, I wrote my own book. Whatever proceeds from the book goes towards uh, sustaining the shelter. Could you tell us the name of your book, Rahayu? Okay, uh, it is uh, Be Careful of This Woman, My Journey to Freedom. And why the Be Careful of This Woman? In... Uh, I, I forgot which year actually. I, I, I got a job in a, in a pharmacy. So I, I didn't tell my employer about my HIV status. But she finds out when I came back from the ID clinic and my bag as usual. I have this very bad habit of never zipping my bag. So my, my medicine and my appointment card was all in the bag. And then I think she saw it. Uh, I was asked to leave. Uh, the next day, I remember that she owed me a few days of salary. So I came back to the place and I saw that, you know, when we apply for a job, we have to give our, our passport size photograph and all that. And she, she enlarged it to A4 size and with the caption, uh, be careful of this woman. And, and my full name, Rahayu Binti Rahman. That really destroyed me actually then then. Oh yes, I'm sure. So that's why I, I choose that title. I really wanted to start 
life anew. I want to get a job. I want to live normally as everyone else. But that kind of uh, rejection that I, I faced that time nearly kills me. That's a really horrible experience to have had. Rahayu, if people want to buy your book, they can find it on Amazon, right? And that would support the work that you're doing. Yes, please. Yes, it's only available at Amazon. Sometimes they, they do text me and they want to buy directly from me. Yeah. But sorry to say, I, I can't afford to print my own book. If they want to get it, please do get it from the Amazon. We'll put the link to the book on the website along with the podcast. You're also involved with ICW in Asia Pacific, aren't you? Yes, I'm a newly appointed member. I just joined recently, actually. I'm honoured to be one of the board members. So could you tell us a little bit about the regional network of ICW? And I should have said ICW is the International Community of Women Living with HIV and AIDS. Uh, last month, I went for the uh, feminist workshop. It really humbles me when I get to meet with all these women leaders from eight countries, including uh, including Malaysia. Actually, ICWAP is a strong core of leaders across the country in the region that are poised to strengthen national network and you know raise the voice and visibility of women living with HIV. So when I met them recently. I was like, oh my God, my salute to them. Can you talk a bit about the main issues that you see that affect women living with HIV where you live? Okay, in, in, in my country, one, one, I will say one, one of the main issues is the abortion and sterilisation for HIV-positive women. If a HIV-positive woman she uh, she is trying to get pregnant or she's pregnant, she'll be she'd be subjected to all kind of pressure. She'd be asked to go for abortion, or let's say if it's too late to go for abortion, upon delivery, she'll ask to go for sterilization. Uh, I still remember my resident when I accompanied her to the hospital. She gave birth last year. She cried each time her ONG appointment because she was pressured she said, okay, after delivery, you should have your tubes tied. And then when my resident said, no, no, I don't want this. I still want to have baby. They say, oh, so you are trying to contribute to the uh, HIV statistic. And then she said, no, 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 because I, I, I just want to have another baby after this. Who knows? They keep on saying that, okay, you are contributing to the statistic. You are contributing. So she was so pressurized by that. Recently, one of our members in our group, she was asked to go for abortion when she was uh, find out pregnant. And they didn't even allow her, you know, to inform her husband. The problem is that she only informed us after she had the abortion. Because she said, I was forced to do it. Because she said, I cannot carry this baby to full term. I'm, I'm HIV positive, that kind of thing. But it's a bit too late because she already done that. All the women should be given an equal chance to give birth. Yeah, of course. Is there is there any support for women who are being put under pressure or who've experienced this? Actually, among our community, yes. But uh, like my resident, when I accompanied her, because my resident, the, the lady, she's not married and she's HIV positive. When I accompanied her for the uh, ONG appointment, I'm not, obviously, I'm not her family members, I was asked to leave the room. It's just between her and the gynae. 
They said, no, you don't have the right to be here. When I left the room, received all the tremendous pressure from them saying that okay your baby if you if you insist on giving birth to your baby after after birth you'll send her to the welfare and then you know she she break down and cry and she come and i was I, I saw that she was crying i asked her what happened she said no uh my baby will be placed in a in a welfare uh, society i said no you are under me. After this, I will just I will take off you and your baby. Until today, she's with me, and her baby now is really eighteen months old. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're really doing something that's incredibly valuable, Rahayu. I'm 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 so happy. Until actually, because I don't have uh, my family is small. They my my children are all grown up. So when I have this new baby in our life, it's like you know something to it's, look it's joyful to. yes yeah. yes <laughs> and what about in other health settings aside from maternity antenatal care how are, how are things in other health settings i i several examples because uh i'm actually uh last year i under underwent my a cataract operation on my left eye and then this year, I'm supposed to, I, and I didn't tell them, last year I didn't tell them that I am HIV positive. So this year I'm supposed to uh, undergo my right eye. But it happens that the one day before my appointment, my story came out in the paper. The doctor happened to read it while I was waiting outside. And she said, oh, we are, I'm so proud of you. I, I admit your paper, blah, blah, blah. That was outside the clinic. So when I went inside, and she said, uh, you didn't inform us about your status last year. You should have informed us because you're putting all, all of us at risk. If, let's say there's a cut during the operation. So, you know, we uh, I'm, uh, I'm putting them at risk. But I informed her that I am already UVL for several years. So what is wrong? She said, no, no, no. Because we have to sterilize the equipment at least two hours after that. So I was like asking her. So, I mean, all this while, you never sterilize any of your apparatus? And that part, she just kept quiet. And... I didn't. I need. I didn't go again after that. It put you off returning. Yeah, yeah, because I was really because the thing is that outside the clinic, she was like, "Oh, I'm so proud of you!" in front of everyone. But in inside the room, when I'm with her, it's a totally different scenario. And more broadly, Rahayu, I mean, you're saying um, about having an undetectable viral load. So U equals U, or undetectable means untransmissible. Is that something that people are aware of in Malaysia? Our community are aware. I mean, they are mostly aware because we share all this information. And I'm sure most, most of the health providers are aware. I mean, they are the frontliner, but I don't understand why they never practice it. Why? Has U equals U made a difference to how your community, to how women living with HIV feel about, about their status and about themselves? Uh, for our community, yes. We feel good about it because, oh, okay, finally, we can tell the, we can tell the people, hello, we are as normal as you. But on the other hand, it doesn't have much impact. It's only our voice. What about the frontliners? What about the health provider? Yeah, and the general public? It, it, 
they yeah they should acknowledge you equals you i keep on saying you equals you i even have the the t-shirt printed i i post it everywhere and i think you can always find out from nowadays the google whatever never you can always find that you equals you but like i said that it's like it's a hollow campaign if people never act on it who um produced a consolidated guideline on sexual and reproductive health and rights of women living with hiv and it came out in 2017 after a big global survey of women living with hiv around the world and that guideline is promoting a woman-centered approach it's based on human rights and gender equality and it covers sexual health, but also violence against women's services and family planning and infertility. It also talks about the importance of psychosocial support, for example, and supporting women to have safe and fulfilling sexual relationships, um, economic empowerment. So it's quite a broad guideline. Do you think that that healthcare providers in Malaysia are aware of the guideline? Do you think they're following it? I'm sure they're very much aware. But but again, like like uh, you know, whenever there is a convention or there's a seminar on that, I mean those who attended are all the professional. But the information that they gain from that venue is not being channeled to the frontliner, mm. so that that's why it's not being practiced. And actually, most of our women activists in Malaysia they knew about this. Yeah, and we already we already we always impart this information among our community. But like it's just only us. It doesn't make a difference. So you're not seeing it following through into services yet. No. For example, like the UN, U equals U. I mean, it's it's uh, I think everyone knows about it, but it's not being practiced. Yeah. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about access to antiretroviral treatment in Malaysia. Okay. Actually, the ARV treatment is readily available not only to women, to anyone. But the stigma and discrimination that they might face when seeking treatment are the main factors that are hindering them. Fear of being known, fear of being identified, you know, like the question when they first go for the first appointment. The question like, how were you uh, detected? How you get your virus? Have you done anything uh, at risk? Like myself, when I was first diagnosed, uh, they asked me that, oh, uh, do you do drugs? Or uh, uh, are you a sex worker? When I was first diagnosed, I'm a normal working mother with four children. I got the virus from my husband. From Sorry, from my ex-husband. That kind of stigma, is it really, you know, makes this woman like, they, they get so scared. They said, I, uh, the question being asked, we don't like that. Why don't you just, okay, okay, if you are tested positive, okay, these are the treatments, you just take blah, blah, blah. Why don't you just give this kind of information to them? Don't ask their past or what happened, what happened, you know. If they want to tell you, fine. If they are not willing to share with you, it's okay. Yeah, so just the information without the kind of judgmental yeah. questions. Yeah. Um, how important do you think it is for women living with HIV and all their diversity to be involved meaningfully in discussions and decisions about their lives? Actually, it's very important to involve all the communities. There should be a platform where these women can voice out freely, but at the same time, con- confidentiality should be observed. I mean, they can voice out. Okay, There's a place for them to, to say it out, but please protect their identity that's all Mm, that's really important yeah 
I just wanted to ask you, if, if you were in charge of policies that affect women living with HIV, what would you prioritise and what do you think needs to change? Okay, um, if I were to be in charge, uh, there would be, be a lot of things. First thing is that for women who are compliant with the ARV treatment and they are already UVL, should be allowed to get married. Because, you know, in our, in our country, there's a free marital testing for everyone. The thing is that if one of them is uh, tested uh, positive, there'll be a lot of questions asked. These are the things that I would like to change. I mean, regardless of uh, women who are HIV positive or not, they should be allowed to have babies and not being subjected to the pressure or being forced to go for abortion or sterilization. I mean, that is the first thing that I'm going to do. You equals you has to be informed to everyone. And what helpful programs or policies or anything helpful have you come across that you would like to use or you'd like to see being put into place? Normally, uh, what I say is convention, seminars, again and again, day in and day out, which I personally feel that is uh, an outdated approach, sorry to say. So what Shinar Sophia has been doing for the past years, we are doing the theatre of the music educational program where we share our life experience as a person living with HIV. But that means that there's videos, there are music, there are sharing and I can, I've seen that the impact and the feedback that we receive is really encouraging. And you know, after the theatre, when we are backstage, I can see women coming to our team you know, seeking advice on like where to go, where to get tested, where to get treated, that kind of thing. That sounds amazing. Could you tell us a bit more about where you where you do that and, and, and describe it a bit more? Okay, actually, it's the brainchild of my husband now. People like music, people like entertainment. So we did that. After every sharing, the, the person who shares is going to sing. I sing, even though my voice is not like, you know, Whitney Houston or whatsoever. But I sing. So <laughs> that, that kind of thing people like to see. And some music and the, the, the video will be like, you know, my, my past because I reenactment. I, I was on the street. They, they shoot the video. That is very interesting. So we help their attention. Yes. Up. Actually, our play, our play is about one hour and 30 minutes. And believe me, no one slipped I during can... that time. <laughs> no one. <laughs> Does your play have a name? It's called uh, uh, I'm Positive. It doesn't mean that I am HIV positive. It can be like positive living, positive thinking, all this kind of, you know, positive mindset. When they first came to our theatre, they was like, okay, what is all about? Mm. Uh, so... So when they say, oh my God, oh, this is something about HIV, this is something new. So that's why when they, they will come and see us uh, backstage, they say, okay, I, I, I think that uh, I am at risk, but I don't know where to go. I don't know where to seek treatment. You know, sometimes the consultation or the whatever advice is just after the backstage, just after the theatre, uh, that means at the backstage, they will come and look for us. <laughs> so they're getting really important information from this. We try to share as much as we can during that one hour and 30 minutes. Mm, yeah, that sounds brilliant. Do you get enough funding to do those kind of things or what would you like to advise funders? Uh, sadly, we don't receive enough funding for this. People find that, okay, um, 
theater while theater is nothing much no impact but they 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 are there wrong now it's really 2019 we move forward with times yeah. but when we try to put it like you know nobody oh they said oh okay um we'll think about it so using arts approaches as a different way to inform people and connect with people and to share experiences sounds like a really important thing yeah. Yes, everyone loves listening to music, going to the movies. That is something that you know we try to adapt in our theatre. It sounds fantastic. Is there any final message that you'd like to share before we finish? There are two things actually. If I were in charge of funding, I would of course first carry out this theatre throughout the country and in fact globally, just to empower you know uh, women or anyone. To listen, see how we rebuild our life. Second thing is that please kindly buy my books because uh, whatever proceeds from the sale of the book goes towards maintaining and sustaining our shelter. That's brilliant. We will put the link for the book on the website, and so people can okay. can click through from there. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for coming and speaking to the yeah. wave. This podcast is produced by the Salamander Trust with support from UNAIDS. If you'd like to know more about the issues, please go to the Salamander Trust website www.salamandertrust.net. Thank you for listening.